Welcome to another episode of the Bears Big Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ben Raman. On the podcast today, we have Rashida Bira and uh, and Jalisa. Jalisa, what's your last name? Jalisa Holden. Jalisa Holden. Well, welcome to the podcast, folks. Thank you. Thanks. Hi, world. Awesome. So before we get started, I just want to uh, acknowledge that I'm producing this podcast on the traditional unceded land of the Homoko, Comox, Clehus, and Kalaaman First Nations, who are one borderless members, one borderless community, part of the larger Coast Salish community of the sort of western coast of North America uh, before we came in. We, we being the white colonized settlers, came in and separated them into reserves and Took their lands. Uh, grateful to be here, and uh, hope hope someday in my career I can do something to give a bit of that land back. Um, so yeah, so today on the podcast we're talking about um, um, we're talking about we're talking about we're talking autism, but we're also talking about uh, uh, sort of kind of culturally responsive um intervention i think and in particular um uh, when it comes to kind of uh, visual supports and uh, visual visuals are sort of synonymous with uh, autism work uh, we we know there's a lot of research out there that shows that uh, you know folks in general uh, autistic or not uh, do well with um you know extra supports you know i i've got my uh, calendar up on the screen here, uh, a visual of my day, kind of telling me how things are going. I've, I, I write notes to myself. I've got I've got lots of different things sort of um, set up to help me um, you know, guide myself through the day. And, and uh, the folks we support are no different. Uh, however, there are some language difficulties or sort of a core kind of um, um, piece of the diagnosis of autism. And so often pictures can really help folks in communicating and uh, just kind of making sense of their day as we uh, try to teach them. And um, uh, Rashida has a company called Human Expressions, H-U-E, for the, for, for the color. Um, and uh, she's been doing some amazing work and getting some, uh, some wonderful feedback and um, uh, around creating sort of a, a system to kind of support support a need, but we'll let we'll let Rashida explain all that, and then uh, Delisa, of course, is a is, is a parent, uh, mother of a of a, of a of an autistic child, and um, and it happens to be a user of some of the human expression products. So we're looking forward to kind of digging deep into sort of the value of those products and and, uh, and you know and 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 kind of what they do for folks. So maybe Rashida, we can maybe start with you. Um, a little bit of a sort of introduction um, and uh, kind of why you decided to uh, start this company. All right. Hi, everybody. So, yes. So uh, I'm a BCBA. Um, I've been a BCBA for about three years now. Before I was a BCBA, I was an RBT for about five years. So I've been in this field for a long time um, and just trying to find stimuli for my clients was very difficult. We know as a BCBA, you have um, times when you have to, you know, create stimuli. I'm going on Google, black stimuli, black kids doing this, but like it was taking way too much time, um, and I wasn't able to, you know, find material. So I'm going into a home for a black and brown client, but I'm bringing in, you know, white stimuli, you know, so that having that connection, um, you know, you want to get that buy-in from the parents, you know, we know that representation matters, so. Just out of kind of frustration, you know, kind of talking to my husband about it. And he's an artist, so it kind of made sense um, for me to, you know, create human expressions that, you know, uh, create human expression about a year ago. Now it's starting to really flourish and people really to know, you know, more about it. But I didn't think it would be this big. It was kind of just like, I just want to create stimuli for black and brown kids, you know. So all the kids have different hairstyles and different, um, you know, different skin complexions. I mean, I was very intentional when I create every single car, like me and my husband literally sit down and say, okay, what do you want this little boy to look like? What do you want this little girl to look like? What do you want their hair to look like? You know, with having locks, being dark skin, you know, I wanted to make sure that that representation was very important. Um, and, you know, people in the field are like, I wish I had this 20 years ago. I wish I hadn't like, oh my gosh, like to now it to be a thing when people needed this 
so long ago and it's just now something that you know, I still feel like little old me created, you know, for, you know, but it's not only for black and brown kids. Like if you are, you know, speech and language pathologists, or, you know, if you have kids, clients that are also, you know, white, they also should have that, that, um, that generalization to know, okay, these are black and brown kids. Like, so when you see a kid, you, you understand like, okay, they're different, but they're, you know, they they're still a kid and they're still like me right so having that representation for them to see that as well is also also important so um yeah that's kind of how I you know came up with with human expressions um and is you know very dear to my heart so yeah that's, that's that. awesome yeah no and uh, uh you know I, I've been kind of following it and watch and explode and I had the privilege of attending uh, this year's uh Baba conference in Detroit um, and uh, I think that definitely uh, brought human expressions to a, a whole other level. I think you were your 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 table was easily the the most popular table at that whole conference. Everyone was just loving it. Everyone was talking about you. That that real cool uh, yeah that little cool oh, sort of picture symbol thing out. for people yeah, kind of stick their heads out, in and uh -huh, kind of make their uh -huh. own picture yep. symbols and that yep. sort of thing, which was really cool and. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think the feedback was huge. And, and and I think a lot of folks there really started sharing your stuff around. And, and I know recently uh, you uh, were you started looking for a few interns to kind of help you out and you were yeah. kind of blown away by that. What, what, what was going on there? What, you, why did you want interns and what was the response like? Um, So just from, you know, just because I know that just on the conference and just a lot of people who wanted to kind of you know, help with human expressions and knowing that I can't do everything by myself. I have so many ideas and I need other people to help me. And I know what, you know, being a BCBA, you need unrestricted hours. So I'm like, okay, I can bring a team on that can help me, you know, with social media that can help me come up with cards, um, you know, cards, ideas, you know, or just anything to just kind of get human expression to like the next level. Right. And so I, you know, did, I put, you know, something out there like human expressions is, you know, hiring for interns. <laughs> but then like hour I got my emails blew up. I literally had to, I think within like 24 hours, I literally had to like stop the intern. Like I couldn't, I couldn't take any more interns. Um, so like from that, I just interviewed people and see like really, you know, what their with their heart, what their interest was. Um, and then out of all the people, I got two interns, well, four interns, but two of them are creative directors. Um, and they're all, you know, RBTs getting their hours to become a BCBA. And I wanted to make sure that they were RBTs getting their hours to become a BCBA. Like I was, I wanted that to, to be the case. Um, so yeah, you know, they helped me with ideas. You know, eventually the goal is to, to create an app, right? I do want a human expressions app. People were saying like, hey, you know, hmm. if something we can do on an app or, you know, we wanted to put on an iPad. I'm like, we don't, I don't have that right now, but like, I'm just, I'm one person, so I can't do everything. So I wanted to just kind of bring people on that can help me brainstorm and, you know, you can't do everything by yourself. Um, and then eventually, you know, do some research, you know, behind why, you know, um, black stimuli or stimuli is, you know, definitely makes a difference with success and, you know, kids having, you know, stimuli, you know, that looks like them. So that's, yeah. that's the plan for human expression. So I needed to bring a team on. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And they're lucky folks. I've seen some of the videos already from 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 some of your interns, the creative directors, and it, it looks really cool. And I think you make a great point. I mean, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about sort of the value of these cards, uh, and certainly in, in Jalisa's context uh, shortly here. But I think I think you make a a really important point that this is not just for Black folks. This is for everyone. I mean, we for years and years and years we've basically only seen sort of the classic white peach colored, um, um, you know, kind of board maker type. Everyone wants to have control of their life, to make their own choices, decisions, and set goals that are meaningful and important to them. And students who are neurodivergent are no exception. Self-determined research indicates a host of positive quality of life outcomes for people who are neurodivergent, including better employment and independent living outcomes. Whether your students want to attend college or obtain employment after high school, they will need to acquire the skills necessary to pursue career life directions that are personally meaningful and are of their own volition. The self-determination course offered by CBI is an ideal tool for teachers to help students develop the essential competencies for self-determined behavior. The course consists of five modules with comprehensive lesson plans that are 
include embedded resources easily adapted for your diverse learners. Using the built-in self-reflection and assessment exercises, teachers can assess students' growth towards their self-determination and self-advocacy behaviors. If you're interested in learning more, check out the CBI Consultants webpage at www.cbiconsultants.com. Mayor Johnson symbols out there. Um, and in fact, I think you and I were kind of talking about this uh, at Baba a little bit. Um, uh, that I, I think they corrected themselves eventually, but there was a period there where, and I saw a presentation where they were talking about sort of um, uh, both racism and kind of um, um, sort of uh, what what the term is, but basically is you know against uh, gender fluidity, um, um, and, and talking about kind of how these things aren't really incorporated. The, the, the these are th the racism and sort of sexism. These things are actually embedded into some of our materials, and, and they sh they showed examples of of of, of you know, and I think they were these kind of board maker type symbols. And forgive me, Mayor Johnson. I hope I don't get sued here. But um, uh, uh, where where uh, the individuals they showed individuals, for example, like the image, for example, of bad boy, um, um, uh, or, or 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 you know, a, a, a child hitting another child, and and image after image, the aggressive child was the black image. And the person being hit was the white image, um, and and whether that was intentional or just you know classic sort of implicit bias embedded, um, you know it's not only a problem that we we don't have a lot of black images, but the black images that we do have are very problematic, um, and and it's really important for folks of you know all all races and backgrounds to see to see representation from all different groups and i know you've gotten a bit of feedback around um why haven't you created materials for everyone and you know i mean like you said you're only one person you know and you got some interns now yeah i know i know we, we talked before you've got some goals to kind of get more of that out uh i interviewed uh rashida a little bit at the baba conference and a clip of that's going to be coming out in a sort of a baba recap that where we talk a little bit more about that piece um, and we'll kind of get into that as well. But yeah, really, really, really important points you make. So Jalisa, why don't you tell you tell me tell me a little about yourself? Who are you? <laughs> okay, so I'm Jalisa Holden. I oh. am the parent of a wonderful son who is wild in three. Mm. Um, he has a dual diagnosis of fragile X syndrome mm. and autism. Um, fragile X syndrome is caused by a mutation on the X chromosome on the fmr1 gene and mm -hmm. a mutation on that gene um, causes intellectual disability mm -hmm. um and it's one of the more known causes of intellectual disability that's inherited um a lot of families are silent carriers like myself who just i wasn't aware um, that i was a carrier right. um so um but aside from all that like i love my son so much um I think a lot of parents of children who have disabilities, no matter that disability, I think we will all say that we've gained so much from raising a child who is different mm. and how they have opened up our hearts and our minds. Um, so I am, you know, on this parenting journey and mm. um, I am a definitely a very motivated and dedicated parent when it comes to the parent training. So uh, Rashida- when you said the parent buy-in, <laughs> I understood um, because I was actually struggling um, buying in to using the picture exchange system. Hmm. One, because it's it's a different, you know, model of communication that I had to adjust to and learn. Like, it's not as simple as just exchanging a picture. Like, there's training to it. There's different levels. Hmm. Um, but then to top it off, the pictures were ugly. You know, <laughs> and I was like, I do not want to use these pictures. And, you know, I just asked, you know, I, I refer to her as our family's BCBA, not just my son's BCBA, yeah. because she helps us all. Yeah. You know, um, you know, she uh, she referred me to human expressions and I fell in love instantly uh, because I love the Montessori method. And mm -hmm. even though these are not pictures of real children, they are as real as you can get. Um, mm -hmm. And as 
the parent of an African-American son, a Black boy, um, it was very important to me that whatever he uses is dignifying. Mm. And the pictures were not dignifying. They were just eggheads and stick bodies. <laughs> like there was nothing dignifying about them. And to me, they were insulting to his intelligence. Mm. Because it looked as though to me, they were made for someone who did not understand much, you know? And it's just like the thing mm. that I really liked about human expressions is that they were dignifying. They looked like, you know, um, they respected his intelligence. Mm. And I really liked that. And I could see my son in those images. And, you mm. know, hopefully, like, you know, him seeing himself. Um, but I do like that, um, the brand is expanding. I do see that it has expanded and it is inclusive of other, you know, ethnicities. Um, but I, as my friend would say, she was like, um, I have no problem with us as in Black people eating first. So mm. I understand why you started yeah. with, you know, mm -hmm. the Black community and then expanded, you know, um, because the disability community is one that's underserved as a whole. But then you also have that additional layer when you are a person of color, you know. So um, I understood why you started there first, but I'm glad that, you know, it's expanded and it's, you know, inclusive. And, you know, people of all ethnicities will be able to see themselves in these cards, you know, because um, like I said, they're very dignifying. And, you know, that's what had me buy into it, to use them as a parent. Um, yes, I love them. Oh, well, thank you. That was that was amazing. And yeah, so that was, you know, like I said, me and Ben, thank you. I definitely appreciate that. Made my heart so happy. Um, so thank you. Um, let me kind of get myself together. I'm getting a little mm -hmm. emotional. Let me get myself together. But um, so just when I think Ben, when me and you spoke, um, you know, at Baba and, you know, we mentioned where people saying like, okay, well, what about cars for white kids? What about, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, you know, just, just now because a black woman created cars for her, her community now it's like, well, what about us? What about us? Mm -hmm. You know? And it's like, it wasn't, this wasn't a thing. It was okay for black and brown clients to have pictures of kids that didn't look like them and you know and that was okay mm -hmm. like it is what it is like you know but now since I created this and I have all different type of cards for you know black and brown kids and you know eventually it may be like the Spanish community just underprivileged you know like I plan to that's the that's that's the goal but I will always create stimuli for black and brown kids like that's always going to be that's always that was the the idea for human expressions you know, so at first I will let that get to me like, oh, well, you know, they probably do need cards. But you can go Google cards and you can have cards for white people. I mean, they're, they're there for free. They're right there, you know, but it really have to dig. And if you do see cards for black kids or brown kids, they're cartoonish and they're mm -hmm. they're not as detailed and, you know, and things like that. Or they it may be like, you know, a little stick figure, but then they may color it brown. And it's like, OK, you know, so it, it's. It's it's always going to be for us by us because you know that's 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 the need as right now that's the need for black and brown kids. Yeah, you know, and there's a couple of points there that that uh, that I love. First, I really like well, I, I really like your point, Jalisa, about about speaking to the intelligence of your son and yeah. and, and and that. You know, I never, I never really thought about that. Like, I always thought the picture symbols in and of themselves were odd. That they were often kind of that stick figure sort of look. You know, it, it, you might be lucky enough to get eyes and a nose and a mouth on on the picture, but quite often they were really just yeah, shaded circles um, um, uh, and, and stick figures. And on one hand, I you know, I, I thought they're I, I thought they were a bit problematic in that I don't know how you sort of generalize a stick figure to real life. You know, I think that's that can be kind of difficult for learning, but I never thought of it from the perspective of it's actually implying that these kids are stupid um, okay. because, you know, like like why wouldn't you have an image that looked as real as possible? Um, uh, I mean, I think the only reason is probably cost. Um, you know, it's probably more expensive to make make them with detail and it's easier to mass produce them when they're not and that sort of thing. So I think that that's a really a really uh really interesting point 
the other the other point that you make and i hope i hope the reason i hope the reason folks are asking for you know cards for other folks other you know other races and whatnot you know comes from a from a good place because the question itself brings up kind of icky feelings for me um in the sense of it just reminds me of kind of a very similar to the kind of the all lives matter kind of conversation you know it's it's like we've got to do something you're doing something for black folks well you got to do them for everybody now you right. know because that's not fair you know right. it's not right. fair to do stuff for black folks and not do it for anyone else not realizing sort of of course the ridiculousness of that statement because for you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years we've been nothing but unfair to black folks and uh and unfair is obviously a, a very light word um um and and so you know i think I, I i think you do you do great at sort of speaking up for yourself and advocating for yourself but i struggle when people ask for things like this that uh, when when they see something good happening for a particular community and and feel that it therefore should belong should be done for their community as well by somebody else so they want you to do that labor you know and and, and I, I struggle with those kinds of arguments um um yeah maybe that wasn't their perspective but whenever i hear stuff like that and when you told me that for the first time it really made me cringe yeah <laughs> yeah it was kind of like wait well no one thought about this beforehand so it's you know but they're out there they're here yeah. now and you know maybe i will in the future but right as of right now my plan and what you know expanding will be to kind of come up with more you know cards for you know black and brown kids and yeah. i like to get ideas from parents or ideas from you know the community as far as like what do you feel like we need right like all the cards that i've created like i had you know um um cammy you know she came to me and she was mentioned like do you have any you know do you have any cards for you know with the her, sorry if i can't get it right but i'm just lgbt yeah, LGBTQ. Okay, I always, and she was just saying, you know, things like that. And I know I was like, you know, a little hesitant kind of thing. Okay, what can I create? You know, like, what is it in a sense where, and she gave me some ideas and just said, like, think about it. Like, what do you think? And I'm like, okay, well, I came up with the, it's called hydrogenous kids. I think that's the word, um, if I'm not mistaken. And I think it's, um, so I have like these potty training cards and you can't really tell if it's a boy or a girl you know, because those cards can be used for whatever boy or girl, you know, the potty training cards. So that was like the first set, but I tried to be very intentional with somebody say, Hey, can you create like cards for somebody in a wheelchair? And I have some, you know, a kid who in a wheelchair, a kid who has down syndrome, like it, it doesn't, yes, it's black and brown kids, but it's also, mm-hmm. um, you know, kids who have different, you know, um, you know, just, just, just every, everything. I'm just, I try to be very intentional to make sure that when we say black and brown kids, we're also looking at black and brown kids who have, you know, other disabilities as well. Yeah. So yeah. I try to, you know. Elisa, I would, I'd love to hear a little bit. You, you, you see your boy's three, right? He is. He's turning yeah, so, four in December. So I'd love to hear a little bit about just kind of your story kind of from the beginning. Uh, like the beginning is not that long ago. I mean, so uh what what's been kind of your experience um uh, just a, a, as a mom um sort of from the beginning in terms of like from from sort of birth to diagnosis to kind of the whole way through how what's that process been like for you I'd, I'd love to hear more about that well um it's been a journey um I learned um how to advocate because of my son Um, What I will say is that he helped me find my voice Mm. because of how I had to speak up for him. Mm. Um, In the beginning, it was tough just with the normal newborn struggles, the the lack of sleep. Um, Feeding was a little bit challenging for us because we did do breastfeeding and that was tough for me personally. But then it seemed as though the challenges never really subsided Mm. as people were getting those longer stretches of sleep. I wasn't. Mm. And I have a friend whose daughter um, was also diagnosed um, with autism. 
that when we reflect on our journeys, we're just like, man, we feel like there were little signalers even during infancy that could maybe just predict some things Mm -hmm. such as um, the sleep never getting Mm -hmm. better or Mm -hmm. the feeding, you know, never completely getting better. Um, So it was the little things. And then there were the big things such Mm -hmm. as the milestones that were missed. Um, And so I have like, unfortunately, a story that has been told plenty of times from mothers um, where the doctors kind of gaslight their experience and thinking that, oh, you're just a first time mom or you're overly anxious, you're worried. There's nothing to worry about Um, because at Mm -hmm. six months old, he was not responding to his name as frequently as um, other children were. Now, this was during the pandemic, so I didn't have anyone to compare him to physically Mm -hmm. in person. Mm But just from other mothers sharing their children on social media, I was like, you know, something just is not the same. And I started noticing these differences. Mm. Um, And I spoke to his pediatrician and I said, you know, I'm not sure if it's because we call him a ton of nicknames or what, but he's just not, (laughs) you know, responding to his name. Mm. Uh, But he always made really, really good eye contact. So she just was like, oh, you know, if it was autism, he wouldn't be able to make any eye contact at all. Right. So you have nothing to worry about. Wow. Um, and so the concern did not go away. Um, but while trying to balance um, postpartum, my own mental health and surviving a pandemic, I'm like, well, if he's not dying, I'm not running into the emergency room. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of keeping track of his development and advocating And at nine months old, we were referred out because he was not bearing weight on his legs um, or crawling yet. Um, And his doctor, for some reason, did not want to refer us to a specialist at that point. She just said, oh, let's just see what the physical therapist said. And Mm. um, SHOA, they were very, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, they were very accommodating. um, And that I told the physical therapist, you know, everything. And I said, you know, I need a referral to see a specialist. Like his pediatrician said that you have to say this. So, you know, write that in your notes. And so Mm. I went back to the doctor and they were like, what are you here today for? I said, well, you said that you needed the physical therapist to say I needed the referral and I have it right here. So I need to see a specialist. And I was referred to the specialist um, and they ran a genetic test because Mm. of the development background that we gave the neurologist. And that's when we discovered um, Fragile X. Mm. Um, It was it was very saddening um, because all the while he is developing differently. I thought it was just that hope of perhaps it's just something else. Perhaps it's something he'll just catch up on. Um, but as I now reflect back and I think that my world was falling apart, it was just, you know, my life making room for the new foundation that I needed. Mm. Um, and that includes, you know, being the type of advocate that I am for him. Um, and the way that he has broken down my barriers and how I see people with disabilities, Mm. intellectual disabilities, Mm. Um, because he is loved unconditionally by so many people in his family, you know. Um, but yeah, so the journey, it has definitely not been one that's easy. But because of him, I can definitely say that he has helped me find my voice because of how much advocacy I had to do and how much pushing I had to do. Um and so after the fragile X diagnosis, we were already on track to see a psychologist for an autism evaluation mm. um, because I learned kind of like how to advocate to the doctor. Like you kind of have to have a reason why. So mm. when I advocated for speech therapy, I said, Hey, he's 12 months old and he's not saying his five words. I need a, I need a um, referral to a speech therapist. They said, okay. And that's mm. how I learned how to advocate, which is like, wow. you know, these are evidence-based people, you know, they're doctors, which are like scientists. So, you know, you kind of have to give them a reason why, like, you can't just say like, oh, I'm just worried or I feel Mm. like this. Like 
you know, back your advocacy up with evidence to say, hey, according to these milestones, they're supposed to be here. So I need a referral. Mm-hmm. And um, I think because there's such accessibility to, you know, different doctors, if you don't get the answer that you want, you know, go to a different doctor to get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are so many times that we stay in this one relationship, whether it's a provider or wherever, you know, um, but needless to say, after we received his diagnosis, I changed pediatricians. Because mm. um, <laughs> that was a that was a very um full circle moment when we had our our wellness checkup and I could hear her like through the door. She's like, Why are all these referrals open? Because you know, she doesn't do referrals. <laughs> so she's looking like, why are all these referrals open? And um, she sat down with me and she was like, you know, I'm sorry. And she's like, you know, kudos to you for being, you know, his advocate. And, you know, I said, thank you. But that was my last appointment there. Um, Yeah. So that's been our journey. I feel like that's like too quick in a nutshell because these days seem like they last forever. (laughs) Being a parent. But yeah, definitely like a lot of advocacy, um, still trying to figure out like what our steps are with special education pre-K. He's transitioning um, to special education Mm. pre-K Monday. So that'll be his first day of school. Wow. (laughs) Very exciting and and nerve wracking. Um, And he was recently in an inclusive daycare. Mm. Uh, Cool. Um, but that's like one in a million. And it was on a more affluent part of town mm-hmm. that offered this type of service um, or accommodation. Um, and we were on the wait list for like a year and a half until we were able to even have access to that type of support. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know other parents probably feel that as well, um, as far as not even having um, affordable and safe childcare for their, their child who has a, a disability. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so we're navigating from daycare into the school system and figuring out what that's going to look like. I know that my journey with advocating has only just begun, yep. <laughs> especially with uh, the IEP uh, process. But I definitely feel... Um, very supported by the team uh, that I have as far as like with our family's BCBA. She's very involved. Um, His current RBTs, um, they're helping with the transition as well. So I know that it won't go perfect, but I do feel well supported. Mm -hmm. And that's so good that you advocated because especially with, you know, you may have some clients who you know, if you would not have pushed it, you'd be like, okay, it's a doctor, so I'm going to believe them and I'm not going to, you know, question it anymore. But then now some kids are six, seven, eight years old and now they're just now getting diagnosed when you're like, I like, I know something was going on when it was like three or two, two or three years old, but the doctor said, right, the doctor, you want to believe the doctor, right? So you're not going to, you know, you may not push so hard. And, you know, so I'm definitely glad, especially in, you know, in the black community or, you know, community that's not, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, they're okay, whenever, or they, you know, three or four or five years old, oh, you know, and then now they're, now they're in special education or now they're considered bad and have to go to alternative, like all these different things, like what, you know, what happened, you know, and some parents may not know how to advocate. And like you said, evidence-based, right, to say no, milestones, you know, they're supposed to be at saying these words, okay, well, she's actually did her research. So she knows exactly what the next step is. And I think that's important for, for parents to know that advocate, research it yourself, like say, no, 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 no. I know that, you know, my child is supposed to be doing this, this, you know, at this age and, you know, I have research to back it. So I need a second opinion, you know? Um, so Right. I'm, because doctors are human too. Right. Exactly. And they can make mistakes as well, you know? Mm-hmm. And early, um, early intervention is is definitely important. Like that's kind of what my background mostly in. I work with early intervention and just seeing the progress from kids diagnosed young, two and three years old, and see the progress that they mm-hmm. made. You know, with them now being six, seven, eight years old. So kudos to you, mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of research to show, like Jalisa. Like, uh, I mean, your experience is not rare. 
um, uh, and especially for for black families, um, you know, accessing services is so much harder because quite often the doctors will sort of brush it off as as, as not being as serious because they won't they won't trust so similarly to sort of the picture symbol argument they won't trust that you're intelligent enough to sort of you know to see these things and 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 to and to know your child and to be able to advocate for your child i mean the fact that they sort of made the assumption the, the eye contact thing i mean eye contact is not even a part of the diagnostic criteria for autism it's it's common to not have good eye contact in autism but there's nothing in in the diagno in the diagnosis that says oh well he's got no eye contact check you know um, and so it just that that they would brush you off so quickly. I'm curious. You've done amazing, and 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 your 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 advocacy abilities are are already like so far ahead of many folks that I've seen who are who have adult children. I mean, um, how did you learn to be such a, a good advocate so quickly? Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, maybe that. You know, my son was just worth it, beyond worth yeah. it. Yeah. And that, you know, um, maybe even though I had that that secondary voice that was just like, maybe it's something, maybe it's not something. Mm. Mm. But it was just a, a part of me that needed to know if it was something. And I feel like that drove me very hard to find out um, an answer, um, but also because he was just worth it. And, you know, knowing um, that the services wouldn't be available without a diagnosis, mm -hmm. that that diagnosis code is what gets you the access to whatever services you need. Right. Because um, I remember actually calling Babies Can't Wait and I'm just like sad on the phone. Like I just... I'm like, I think my son has autism, but I just don't know. Like, it's just something. Mm. And I'm literally almost in tears. And they're like, what did his pediatrician say? Mm. And this is the person who told me that everything is fine, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and they connected me to, um, I guess you could say, my area representative. And we did the diagnostic um, and they said that he was not far enough behind yet to receive certain services, but he did receive um, special instruction. And I feel like that's like the problem is the evaluation system. Yeah, it's like he was gray but not black, but because right. he was in the black, he wouldn't receive services. But fortunately, we were receiving private physical therapy and occupational therapy and speech therapy at that time, where he did qualify. But with the babies can't wait, they were like, oh, he's gray, but not black. So he's not mm -hmm. basically far enough behind yet um, based on his age. And I feel like um, that's a problem. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think just like I said, he was worth it, beyond worth it. Mm -hmm. And I knew that, you know, um, asking for help is what would get him the help that he needed. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. A couple other things that kind of, struck for me as well um uh, uh this has been a, a bit of a learning journey for me as well uh, doing this work and i'm not a parent and so there's you know there's a lot of things i don't understand about sort of um uh, just being a parent of a young child and, and and what those experiences are like i had um and a couple of things you said that kind of resonated for me um and will also turn into shameless plugs for future episodes but um i had uh i had a uh, I've had a couple folks had a couple folks on in the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, one was um, uh, I don't know if you know uh, I don't know Rashida if you know Trisha Holmes. Um, she's a she's a black behavior analyst, but she's also a doula, um, and uh, she's doing a lot of really cool work around uh, um, um, the postpartum stuff you were talking about, um, and really kind of um, uh, both in terms of sort of helping you know, new moms, you know, before birth, during birth and after birth, um, but also around sort of um, helping BCBAs understand that there's a whole postpartum world that, you know, you've got to take into account when you're, when you're trying to, you know, build a relationship with a new parent. Um, um, and there's just, there's just so many pieces that, that, you know, we just don't learn about. And, and it really made me think about that. 
And then I have, I'm having an, I had another guest on, uh, which I'll, I'll, I'll link it to her. Her name's Kat Monlux. And she's a prof at um, University of Washington, I think now. And she does work in two areas that that uh, that you, you you've talked about. One, you mentioned the infant thing. You 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 saw some signs early on that kind of said hmm hmm. And uh, there's been a lot more work in in recent years around sort of identifying autism as early as sort of two three months old in kids. Um, uh, and they've done sort of these kind of big kind of large scale studies where they've kind of compare basically kind of do kind of follow these kids along and uh and uh you know take a guess at six months pretty good chance i think this kid's going to be autistic and finding out more often than not that they were right um and she's doing work with infants with fragile x um um that are that look like they have a good chance of, of developing autism diagnosis uh, and then she's also continuing that work in general around sort of specific supports for kids with fragile X that might be might be a little different than than those supports for autism. So, might I'll, I'll connect you to her too because she might be a good resource going forward as as you sort of um, grow in this. Because I know there's not a, fragile X is like as you said it's 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 the only known the only known cause of autism. Uh, that's out there right now, I believe. I don't think much has changed in terms of sort of the genetic research. And, and Fragile X is sort of the only one that, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't always lead to autism, but it's uh, it's uh, it, it, there, there's a pretty good connection. And yeah, I, I imagine once you got the Fragile X um, 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 genetic test done, going for an autism do- diagnosis was probably a bit easier, eh? It definitely was. It was like putting the pieces together. Um, and I find it interesting when you speak about a postpartum um, doula, I honestly felt like whether it was an early fragile X diagnosis or an earlier um, autism diagnosis Hmm. or having those supports in place for him having those early intervention services as early as possible, I think that could have alleviated some of the postpartum symptoms that I was experiencing. Because there's a lot of self-blame and guilt that goes into your child's development. Even when you try not to blame yourself, it's like you can't help but to blame yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was his sole care provider, even yeah. though I knew the Montessori method, like the back in front of my hand, I knew that I didn't have to essentially do anything for him to develop because he mm-hmm. could do it himself. I still felt like there was something that I wasn't doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that definitely contributed to um, like the postpartum symptoms that I was feeling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, so how do you feel? How do you feel like you with the postpartum? Um, is that something that was like early on, you know, after you had him or was it does it kind of is that something that? You know, what would you say when it comes to postpartum? Like, is that something that like just the first couple of like it could be three years? It could be. Do you feel like you're still dealing with that? Or do you how do you what do you how do you feel about like postpartum like now today? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've read articles that say a woman can be postpartum until like her child is five years old, (laughs) you know, Um, and I do know that raising a child with a disability has like this constant underlying layer of stress that's like always there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I do know that I definitely would just look at him sometimes and feel sad because mm-hmm. of like his lack of development or like, how can I figure this out? Um, I felt like there were times where I couldn't be fully present with him because I was on my phone looking up what could this possibly be. Right. And like, how can, what do I have to do? Where do I go? Um, like, how do I fix this? How do I solve this? I'm trying to like Google, uh, symptoms, um, trying to figure out like developmental activities. Is there like a toy I can buy something, Hmm. um, which I feel like kind of inhibited my process of being as present like emotionally as far as feeling the joy that I wanted to feel more often with him because there was a lot of joy but I do think that perhaps an earlier diagnosis would have helped 
some of those feelings of just sadness of like, is it me? Is it something that I'm doing wrong? Um, but I guess in reflection, like Rashida, I do feel better now. Like I feel good. Like, you know, I'm kicking mm. butt with this thing. And that's always because I always like, you know, when I'm doing intake with a parent or get a new parent and they say, like, my child's not able to do this, my child's not able to do that. But I'm like, okay, what are they able to do? Like, what are their right. milestones? Like, what between, you know, with you now having ABA and having all these, you know, these services helping, like, do you feel like you see a difference? What are like some of those things? Like, oh, he did his first this. And, you know, like, that's always, even though it's small, you know, we need to rejoice, like, the good, you know, the positive thing. Cause there is a lack of diversity when it comes to educational material depicting Black children in the field of applied behavior analysis. Human expressions gives Black and Brown children realistic and detailed images of kids who look like them, modeling everyday skills that may be difficult for them to communicate or express. At Human Expressions, the benefits of representation for Black and Brown kids in educational curricula are clear. Increased self-esteem, reducing stereotypes, and increased validation and support. To learn more, go to www.humanexpressions.org. That's human, H-U-E-M-A-N, expressions.org. We can have a list of things that are not going well, but it's like, you know, those small things are definitely, definitely, you know, important as well. So what do you do for self-care? Like, do you have safe self-care? Because that's one thing when I'm also doing parent guidance or parent training, I always ask the parent, like, what are you doing for self-care? Like, I know you kind of pour into your kid and you're doing all, which is great. And some parents may feel guilty. Like, I can't go get my nails done or go to brunch or do this because I have to always make sure my kid is okay. You know, so do you do, you do any self-care? You know, it's, it's Atlanta. So it's always something going on, you know? So do you do anything for self-care? So I do self-care. I do need to be more habitual and ritual with it though. Um, because I find myself getting to a point of a certain stress level that I'm like, oh, I got to do self-care. But I know that if I were to um, be more uh, consistent with like meditating or doing my yoga, um, you know, I'm going to see Beyonce in August, but you know, oh, like that's so far off. <laughs> you know, like that's like that. <laughs> That's like that one hump after a, a, a desert of not doing you know, what I was supposed to do. Yeah. Um, it's it's something that I'm learning to break generationally because I didn't see my parents participate in self-care like that. Like they worked, came mm. home. Um, and, you know, now that I'm a parent, I realize why they reacted the way that they did was probably because they weren't doing self-care and they were like stressed out and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's something that I'm learning to implement um, in my daily life because it's something that I did not visually see or learn. So I'm having to teach myself that. Yeah, hmm. yeah self-care is, is, is definitely, definitely important as well. Yeah, yeah. Kind of circling back to uh, to human expressions a bit here. So maybe tell us a little bit, Delisa, about kind of how uh, you already told us kind of the, the value of the cards in terms of, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, tre treating your boy with some dignity and, 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 and like an intelligent human being that he is and, and those sorts of pieces. But how, how have, how has, how have the cards been used in 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 the programs in his life um, and, and to support him and 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 have you seen any sort of positives with him as a result? Yes, so we use them for his visual schedule. Um, we also use them for um, his first Venn board with like mm -hmm. um, the actions, um, and they do use them for like some picture exchange. So he's still in of the picture exchange system, which is just the handy back and forth for like manding right. and yep. requesting things. Um, but I have seen like changes um, with him having Fragile X, hmm. him having visual supports is something that he will have his entire life. Like you were saying at the beginning of the podcast, like, you know, you having your visual calendar, you know, it just may evolve into something different, yep. but he will always um, utilize visuals of some sort. Yeah. Um, and I'm, like I said, I'm really excited to use them. Like there's so many 
like actions and varieties, you know, like when he gets a little handsy, you know, his RBT is like, nope, she shows some ready hands, you know, or <laughs> you know, and it's like he'll look at it and process it, and you know, it's like, I guess I'll do it, maybe. Um <laughs> so that's been my experience um with using the cards. Um, like I said. The biggest part for me is the fact that um, he can see himself in the cards. I mm. like using the cards as his parent mm. uh, because I didn't like using the other ones. Um, and yeah, like we use them visual schedule, first then board um, with the exchanges. Like there's so many options. Um, yeah. So they're just in the flow of things. And I know it's early days. I mean, he's only three turning four and, and we're not expecting the moon from him yet. Um, you can only have you can only expect so much from a three or four year old. Uh, but but uh, does it seem like he understands what the pictures are? Like uh, like uh, obviously, if he's using it for manding on some level, he's probably got some idea. Um, does does he does he seem to sort of grasp that these are pictures of the things he's using them for? For things that he's highly motivated for, yes. Yeah. So, like, eating, he likes that card, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. That, that is, yeah, that's, that's good. And I think what's also important as well is with the cards is, like, I have with, like, the communication cards, I have a girl set and a boy set, right? Like, it's not just one set you can find out there where it's, like, okay, communication cards, you have the stick figures, I don't be a boy or girl who you know who knows but like I have it to where it's personalized to where you have you know the same cards for girls and you have the same cards for boys so if you have girl clients you can use the girl communication cards if you have boy clients you can use I had you know I had a parent contact me as well that was saying well I don't have a girl like can I just purchase just the boy communication card because I don't you know and I said fine you know if I just send her, you know, the um, the boy communication card. So just having that that personalization as well. And, you know, I had a client, you know, it, um, well, one of my friend's clients, she was saying, oh, like that's, you know, her her client was like, oh, that's my cousin. And she was like, no, that's not your, you know, not your cousin, but it was her, her head. Maybe her cousin looked like one of the pictures, you know? And so that's kind of what, you know, in, in our culture, everybody's a cousin. <laughs> and everybody is our like brother or sister. So it's kind of like, a culture thing as well. So I wanted to, you know, create pictures where it's like, you know, that can be your brother, that can be your cousin, that can be your sister, you know, and things like that. So, <laughs> Delisa, I'm curious. I, I, I'm, I'm in Canada, so I, you know, funding is completely different here, um, and uh, you know, I still don't entirely understand the insurance system in the U.S. I, I don't know that I ever want to, um, <laughs> but, um, but I'm wondering in terms of funding. Um, does does the does does funding does insurance funding or whatever pay for these things as far as the cards or yeah. um i haven't seen that i think it mm. has to i haven't seen any insurance cover like any extra materials um mm. as far as picture exchange systems or anything of that nature that's a great question, though. You should yeah. we should advocate for that. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, and, and obviously they're not free, and they can't be free. I mean, I mean, Rashida's put a lot of work into it as as, as her husband, and um, and uh, you know, she's got to make a living as well. Uh, but I often wonder just about sort of um, you know, how folks are able in general. I, I have no idea of sort of what funding covers and doesn't cover, and and uh, you know, I, I I'd always thought funding did cover certain materials does it or i mean it's different again canada i think the picture the cards would be covered at least in, in my province because oh, wow. we have we have so the way funding works in 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 british columbia anyway that's that's where i live on the west coast um we have this thing called the autism funding unit um which is essentially the the place where parents can you know submit uh, to be reimbursed for whatever is happening. And that may be for the BCBA services or for the RBT services, um, but it's also for materials. And you and, and BCBAs can write these things called, um, they're basically sort of like a justification for the family to use this thing, a, a letter of support of some kind. And then 
folks can use their funding to buy those. They can buy an iPad. They can, you know, buy other other sorts of sorts of devices. And they get, I think, they get for age zero to six, which is funny, zero to six because you never get a diagnosis before two. But um, it's uh, twenty two thousand dollars a year is what they get for funding um, that they can use basically towards kind of anything. Um, and then that kind of drops down once they they hit school age. But I have seen a lot of you know, folks using their funding for those sorts of things. So I'm just curious if it was similar in your neck of the woods, but it sounds like it isn't. No, that's, that's an amazing question. Um, I know that there, it does sound similar as far as insurance will approve services like the BCBAs, they do have to do the evaluation and submit the letter to insurance mm. to get the services approved. But for what it sounds like, I think what I would label it as is almost like an auxiliary service. Right. I don't the insurance here would cover that. I mean, like families have to fight tooth and nail to get mm. um, an electronic AAC device, you mm. know? Um, so yeah, it's it's supportive, but it does not sound like as supportive as uh, you have it over there. Yeah, yeah. That's, that would be definitely great. Because I know like, you know, BCBAs, you know, depending on the company they work for, they may get reimbursed for material, right? If they mm. were to purchase my cards or whatever they could get reimbursed um you know but for the parents that's that would be that would be great and so for you julie and i'm just curious did you have to buy the cards or did the bcba supply them how did it work i purchased them yeah okay gotcha and it was just so the bcba kind of recommended suggested these to you and you kind of went from there gotcha gotcha okay Hmm. right on well that's how it works that's how you got to do it So, 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 starting pre-K. So, is that so? What, what's that mean? So, what, what's he going to be doing in in, in, in next week? What, what, is he go, is he going to school? Yes. Um, so, in the United States, um, we have special education pre-K, mm. um, and it starts at age three. Wow. Um, if your child has like an identified diagnosed um, disability, mm. so it's almost like they can get earlier services or a leg up starting before the age of pre-K, which would be the age four mm. for other children. Um, so yeah, so he has his own curriculum, his schedule. Um, yeah, I don't know it, like exactly everything with what he will be doing, but yeah. I do know that the transition is that um, his therapeutic services, such as physical therapies, um, speech therapy, occupational therapy will now be provided by the school system mm. and not by early intervention services. So those services are now a part of his education. Um, mm. And they will help implement that in his, what we call um, IEP, um, right. individual education program. So yeah, that's what we're working on. Um, I'm nervous, excited, I'm trying to be optimistic, but not uh, toxic, positive about this because I do know that there are challenges. Sure. But I'm I'm trying to come in um, in a spirit of partnership as as much as possible so that he can you know get the services that he needs so that he can have you know um, his uh, free and appropriate uh, education. <laughs> yeah. Right on, right on. Well, one other thing you mentioned, you mentioned a couple of times, I just wanted to ask about you, 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 you mentioned that, you know, Montessori very well. What's, what's, what's that about? Are you, are you a Montessori teacher or? No, I'm not a Montessori teacher, a Montessori fan and parent. Okay. Um, so it was created by Maria Montessori. Yep. Um, she's like, you know, European, Italy, you know, so um, what really attracted me to it is that it really promoted um, child-led learning and independence. Mm. Um, and then um, I was even more attracted to it after Tiger's diagnosis when I found out that she developed the method uh, because of her studies of children who had uh, developmental disabilities. Mm. And that's how she developed uh, the Montessori method. Um, yeah, so I really like it. It helps me meet Tiger at his level. Um, whenever I feel like he should be further or where he's at, it just helps me scale it back and remember, you know, we're at his pace and that's okay. So is Um, that the model of this pre-K program that he's in? 
Um, for special education pre-K, no, it's not Montessori based. Mm. Um, they have their own curriculum. Um, mm. Is that more so handed down by the state? Right. So they have to follow that curriculum um, that's handed down by the state. So Montessori would be more of a private um, education. You know, so I read the book. That's what I can't afford. Mm. <laughs> so you haven't, you haven't had any kids yourself in a Montessori program. You're, you're no, just more you've read the book do. and been learning about it. And, mm-hmm. and, and maybe... did a Montessori environment at home. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Interesting. So what, what's that look like? So that would look like um, having the toys at his level, yeah. um, toys of his interest, um, things that prompt his uh, independence. So his weeding table, uh, things that he can access easily. Mm. Um, like Tiger, sometimes he will sign for eat. Sometimes he will say eat. But his favorite way to let us know that he's hungry is going to the table and sitting down. Mm. <laughs> And letting us know that he's hungry. And, you know, he can do that because the table is accessible and um, at his height. And I think the biggest piece that I took away from the Montessori uh, method is really just um, respect within the parent-child relationship. Mm. Um, And so that's one of my favorite parts of the Montessori uh, method. Um, and just giving him independence whenever he can. It's like one of the quotes, um, what never help a child with something they feel like they can do themselves. Mm. So even when it looks like, you know, he might struggle a little bit, it gives me the breath to just take a breath and take and take that step back and to wait and to right. pause and to let him figure it out himself. Um, and to just remind myself that he can do things himself. Like, you know, he is capable um yeah so those are my favorite things about the Montessori method um and I hear a lot of kids who have gone through a Montessori education they're supposedly like very independent and self-thinkers you know so (laughs) that was something that you know um attracted me to it uh so yeah and is your is your BCBA like the the stuff you're doing with your BCBA that is that at home Yes. And and is yes. that, does she sort of, you know, use that Montessori context, uh, like to sort of embed the ABA program so that it kind of works together or? Um, yes. Our family's BCBA, Ashley Kerrigan, name drop. She has. <laughs> She's so great. Then you know Ashley? I didn't yeah. realize it was her. Oh, she is? Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, you yeah. You love Ashley. I didn't yeah. want to, you know, put up the, you know, the picture. No, I, I actually, I, I didn't realize it was her. I, I don't, yeah, I, it, like it's, it's a small yeah. world. I actually, I interviewed Ashley at BABA um, yeah. for about 10 minutes, kind of getting her perspective yeah. on the conference. And, uh, and I, so, because you, you're in Atlanta, right? So, yeah, because yep. she, she's the DEI yeah. person for for GABA, right? Yes, she um, is. And she's doing the DEI series for the Georgia Applied uh, Association for Behavior Analysis. Crazy small world, right on. Yeah. Yeah, and so Ashley, Ashley is really working with that that Montessori framework and 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 really making it fit for you guys. That's awesome. Yes, she definitely does. Um, she's really great as far yeah. as like helping and aiding our family. Um, my favorite part, I think, of Tiger's uh, ABA services, I think for me would be the parent training because it helps me to understand how mm. my behavior can. Um, contribute to his behaviors which you know boils it down to you know we can only control ourselves yeah <laughs> yeah so that that really helps me understand as a parent you know how I um can facilitate and and model uh, the behaviors that I want to see um from Tiger and you know how to redirect his behaviors and things of that nature so I think that was really my favorite part of um the parent training um is mm. understanding of what to do when it comes to uh tiger's behaviors yeah really cool really cool fun well anything else you want to ask rashida before we before we wrap this up you got um, a great opportunity yeah. here so yeah um so when it comes to so with him going to um pre-k next week um is he going to have like aba services like at the pre-K or is it still going to be like after school, like after he, you know, comes from pre-K, then he would get ABA? 
So he's going to be receiving services after school. Um, The school that he will be attending, they have stated that they do not allow outside service providers in the school at this time. Um, But we'll see if that remains the same by the end of the year. (laughs) I'm going to try to advocate and see um, what we can do to hopefully create a partnership Um, Because I honestly feel like the future of education with children who have autism is that, or who are autistic, I apologize, um, is that you would see them with their support person and that would provide more opportunities of inclusion Um, instead of, you know, they have to remain in a classroom because of, you know, elopement or aggression or self-injurious behavior, but that they're able to engage with their peers because they have the one-to-one support um, with them throughout their day. And, you know, it just creates Mm. a more inclusive educational experience. I mean, that's my vision. That's what I would see. And, you know, I hope that the school system would catch up to help, you know, support autistic individuals to realize that um, RBTs are not a hindrance. Um, you know, they definitely help aid. I know they say fade the aid, but sometimes it's too soon. Like, you know, Tiger is only three. He still needs a lot of support, you know, and, but he still loves being around other children. Um, so it's like you you are cutting him short by not providing, you know, that support um, when it comes to that. But, you know, hopefully, yeah, hopefully in the future, you know, that's what we would see, you know, is children being more included in environments because they do allow one-to-one support um, at all levels. Yeah, that's definitely important. Yeah, it's it's really hard, especially in Georgia, to once they get into public school, they do not let us come into the school system, you know, and so, which is unfortunate unless, you know, the school district hires a BCBA and possibly hire an RBT, but to have, you know, in daycare if they can, but not in public school, which is unfortunate, you know, because that's where, you know, I don't know if it's because, you know, with the teachers, you know, they already have class full of kids and they're like uh, just another person telling me what I need to do or to help out. I feel like, I don't know if they feel like it's not a collaboration, but I like, I want them to understand that, that it is a collaboration. Like I'm helping you, you know? So it's, 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 it's really unfortunate once they get to that age, they, you know, we're not able to help out. Um, but what I did wanted to say, because you came on the podcast and you helped me and, you know, you gave all these great advice and I definitely appreciate with him hard starting school next week. Um, you can pick three items, three things from human expressions that you want, any items, any, you know, action, more action cards, or you want any just just pick three things you know that you want um and to help tiger for his you know first day of school stuff you want to give the material to the school and be like hey you see my child you know yes <laughs> you know so pick three things um let me know what you want and then um you know we'll go from there and you can like you know use those items for him but i definitely appreciate it Thank you. I'm so happy. The class will be able to use it, you know, like, um, I hope other students will have access, you know, as well. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, that's awesome, Rashida. What a, what a, what a nice offer. That's great. Of course. Of course. Well, Rashida, Jaleesa, thanks so much for coming on and chatting with me. It was so awesome. Yeah, Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. This was great. I learned a lot from you, Jaleesa. I think I definitely appreciate it. You should possibly be be a BCBA. <laughs> you go back to school, and you know we can definitely use your expertise. You had a um, a lot of great ideas. I'm definitely looking to the Montessori, for sure. This was fun. This was fun. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, maybe we'll have you back again sometime. Maybe you and Ashley can come on and chat, and we can oh. see see where Tiger's at in a few years. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, right on. Cool. Awesome. All right. Thanks again, folks. All right. Bye.